Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning on this Thanksgiving weekend. I know many are still traveling. Some of you may have traveled for your Thanksgiving. And uh, we're glad to be here this morning as we celebrate Christ together. Jeffrey and Dion, if you would stand. All right, thank you. You may be seated. Jeffrey and Dion have gone through the steps to membership here at Hannaford, and uh, I need to have someone that would uh, make a motion to accept them. Mike, a second. Josh. All right, all in favor signify so by saying aye. Opposed the same. Motion carries. Welcome, Jeffrey and Dion. I know we had some in first service and uh, some more next week, so we're so grateful for, for new members. So it, it's a hard balance because obviously all things that happen are through God's grace and his power. And, uh, and we see things going on and it's amazing to see God at work and we're grateful for that. And, uh, but the hard part is how much do you sort of uh, share the neat things because uh, we don't want the focus to be on the people but rather on God, but God has used our people in amazing ways. So as we think of Thanksgiving, I'd like to just share a couple things that have happened over the last few weeks and, and God's goodness and God's using the people of Hannaford for His glory and to impact the world with God's love and the gospel of Christ. Well, we have our, our ladies' ministry, uh, they eat through the year, they make blankets, and they, they do that for a couple different ministries that work specifically with children here in the Helena area. And so we, uh, I know a couple weeks ago, they made 15 blankets, and uh, so the couple ministries that, that they give them to had, had still had blankets from before, and uh, so we reached out to God's love, and God's love is almost exclusively single adults. If you're not familiar with God's love, they, uh, they work with homeless here in, in Helena area and do a great job ministering to them and, and feeding and housing. And uh, so just on a, out of a chance, say, hey, do, do you guys, I know you're, you're mainly single adults, but I know there are families occasionally that, that uh, you reach out to and help. And they said, well, actually, right now we have 15 kids. So they took the 15 blankets over for the 15 kids. And God is so good. And uh, so as we see God using just little things like that, amazing that it matched up perfectly for the number of kids and they were so grateful for that and I know they were having because they were so over full they were having people sleeping on the floor and and those blankets were a great blessing and benefit we also each year we do our missionary Christmas and and God through his people uh, supply some extra blessings to the missionary families and the people of Hannaford have always been so gracious. And as you think of this year with uh, things going on in the economy, things are tighter and I know many are struggling with just meeting needs. Every time we go to the grocery store, we're reminded of that. 
but the faithfulness of God's people, we raised over $18,000 to go to our missionaries. And uh, so God is so good in that. And in a little bit after I get done, we will have Linda Duralius sharing an update on what's taking place in Tanzania. And again, the faithfulness and generosity of God's people. So we are so grateful uh, for God's faithfulness through his people. And so let's pray and ask for God's blessing this morning. Father, as we come before you, may we recognize that all we have comes from you. May we be more thankful. We're so grateful for your faithfulness each and every day in our lives, in the life of this ministry, and we will give you the glory for what you will continue to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We celebrate Thanksgiving. It's a day set apart as a reminder of something we're to be every day, and that is thankful. And as we celebrate Thanksgiving with family or friends, it's, uh, we can think of the many things that God has given us, but it's so easy throughout the year to be ungrateful. Or maybe in a softer way, not be as grateful as we should be. How does that sound? That sounds better. Why is it so difficult to be thankful? In Luke chapter 17, we find the story of a group of ten lepers. They were healed by Jesus, but only one returned to thank him. Follow along as I read Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11. It says, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourself to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he, went, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. So we see these ten men had a problem, a very serious problem. For them and for society at that time, leprosy was a difficult problem to face. Luke chapter 17 and verse 12 says, Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. Lepers were considered outcasts. They couldn't come close to people. There were certain distances they had to be away. In fact, if the wind was blowing and they were upwind, it was up to 50 yards away they had to be from the, from the others. They were taken from their family and friends. They were outcasts in society. And oftentimes, there was a stigma that went along with the leprosy. Obviously, these people had done horrible things and they were being punished for what they had done. They were being punished with this disease of leprosy, or as we call sometimes Hansen's disease. The leper's disease was incurable. Their outlook was hopeless and their life was miserable. 
And so they had a problem, and it was a problem that they could do nothing about. At that time, there was no, no medication, etc., for leprosy. It was considered not only highly contagious, but incurable. And so these ten guys lived by themselves outside of this village. Now, it's interesting because it was a mixture of those people from Galilee and those from Samaria. And Samaritans and Galileans, or Israelites in general, Galilee being one of the regions of Israel, they did not get along. In fact, they were considered enemies. And the Israelites considered the Samaritans as lesser folks, as half-breeds. But misery loves company, and so these ten guys, we know at least one of them was a Samaritan, were living together trying to eke out a way to survive. But Jesus came. Now, if you, if you look at the time frame this takes place, if you look at the book of John between John 10 and 11, it was Jesus was getting ready and it was starting on His last trip to Jerusalem for Passover. Passover was a pilgrimage feast, so that meant that they would go to Jerusalem to celebrate, and Jesus and the disciples were leaving Galilee, which was in the northern part of Israel, going down to Jerusalem, to the area of Judea, which was in the south. And Samaria was an area right in the middle. In fact, the Jews didn't even want to go through Samaria, so oftentimes they would go miles around so they wouldn't have to go through Samaria. But Jesus was a little different. And so he was coming down through Galilee, down going through Samaria, down to Judea. And so they were in this area, right on the region, or the area between the regions of Samaria and Galilee, and they came to this village. And as they came, they came by where these lepers were on the outside of town. And we see the plea given by the lepers. In verse 13 of Luke 17, it says, And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They had obviously heard about the many miracles that Jesus had performed. And I'm sure they saw a glimmer of hope in what seemed to be a hopeless situation. The term that they used, master, was a term that was used for a chief commander and, appointed to the, and pointed to their belief that Jesus could do something about their situation. And so they called out for His mercy. Now we see as they called out, they were afar off, they were a distance away, but loud enough it caught Jesus' attention and I'm sure everyone else around. And Jesus' instructions were very different. We see His instructions in the first part of verse 14. It says, So when He saw them, He said to them, Go show yourself to the priests. You may look at that and say, yeah, that is a strange and interesting response. That He would tell them, just, just go. Go show themselves to the priests. What was He doing? Well, it goes back to the Jewish law. And what would happen when someone had a skin disease, as that disease got better, they would need to show themselves to the priest. <coughs> Excuse me, the priest was somewhat of a health inspector. And the priest was the one who would declare them clean where they could integrate back into society. And so 
when Jesus said, go show yourself to the priests, it was the idea that if they went to show themselves to the priest, that they must be clean. Now compare this to what took place in Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, another uh, story of Jesus healing a leper. This is a singular leper in Luke 5. And Jesus went to that leper and He touched him. And He healed him. Now for that leper in Luke chapter 5, this was really strange. And for the people watching, sure they were aghast thinking, Jesus, what are you doing touching this unclean person? But Jesus, the true Master and Lord, reached out and touched that leper and, and healed him. And by the way, then he had him go to the priest, if you read the story in Luke 5. But here Jesus just says, go, no, come. Whenever he would usually have people, he would ask them, come to me. But he just said, go. Now it had to be going through their mind, the mind of these ten guys, guess what? <laughs> He's just trying to get rid of us. Giving us a little false hope that we turn around and go, get out of his way, you know, quit yelling and causing a commotion and a scene. Hoping that we'd go and then he would be rid of us. That's what they could have thought, but we actually find they obeyed. And they trusted. You see, all ten of these men had amazing faith in that they trusted Jesus and followed His instructions. And they went. But then we see something else that takes place. We see one separating himself from the others. One was grateful and nine were not. All ten were healed as they began their journey to see the priest. But when they were healed, only one returned to thank Jesus. Let's continue on the story beginning in verse, or the last part of verse 14. We see that this one was grateful. It says, And so it was as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, at his Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. The Samaritan glorified God with a loud voice. He worshiped Christ. Again, pointing to the deity of Christ. And he thanked him, showing his gratitude. And Jesus responded with three rhetorical questions in verses 17 and 18. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Where were the other nine? Why did they not join this one in thanking Jesus? So it says, they went, and as they went, they were healed. I'm curious how far they went before the healing took place. The Bible doesn't say. Was it just as they turned and took a step or two? Or did they walk a half mile down there? We don't know. But we know 
the nine continued on to go see the priest in obedience to what Christ asked. But one turned back around and went back to Jesus to thank Him. Now, why do you think the other nine chose not to go back? So use your imagination with me. Some of the excuses that they could have used. Maybe one thought, you know, I don't need to verbalize my gratitude. Jesus knows I'm thankful. We do that sometimes too, don't we? Oh, they know I'm grateful. Yeah, I don't need to mention it. Maybe uh, one of them thought that, you know, I, I, don't, I can't spare the time. I've lost so much time already due to this horrible disease. I've got so much to do. I, I need to get doing it. Maybe one had convinced himself that he was already on the road to recovery. He'd been juicing, taking vitamins, essential oils. He was feeling much better even before he met Jesus. One may have thought, you know, I'll return later and thank him. Could be that one thought, you know, if I go back, I'm going to lose my spot in line to see the priest. One thought, I, I need to go see my family. It's been so long and they need me. Who knows? One may have thought, you know, I'll jot a note when I get a chance. Another maybe thought, you know, it's, <laughs> I have nothing. I've been spending all this time, and we don't know how long they'd been lepers, but I've been spending this time with very little money, and I need to be on the job hunt because I have some serious money issues, so I need to focus on some possible job leads. One or more probably thought, you know, having this disease was unfair in the first place. Why should I grow, show gratitude for, for relief from something that I should not have had in the beginning? I didn't deserve this disease, so why should I be grateful when it's gone? Whatever their reasons were, nine continued on their way and only one returned to give thanks. And it's interesting that Jesus makes the clarification and he was a Samaritan, or as Jesus called when he came back, a foreigner. The Samaritan recognized the importance and priority of showing gratitude to the one who had healed him. And his gratitude resulted in a much greater gift. It says in verse 19, And he, Jesus, said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Ten were healed, but only one was saved. Ten had their life here on earth changed, but one had his eternity altered. The importance of gratitude. Why should we be known for our gratitude? Well, we find that gratitude recognizes our need. It's an act of humility. It's demonstrating humility as we recognize we need to rely on God and God using others to meet our needs. It's humbling. And we need to be humble. But gratitude also reduces grumbling and complaining. 
The more we demonstrate gratitude, the less we complain. I heard about a study that was done, and I believe the study lasted 10 weeks, if I remember the, the, uh, it, it correctly. But what they did is they took people and they divided them into two groups. And one group, each day, at the end of the day, they were to write things that took place that day that annoyed them. They were writing in a journal. And the other half of the group at the end of each day, were to write things that they appreciated, things that they were grateful for that had taken place that day. And again, I believe it was a 10-week study. So, so each night for that time period, the annoyance group would write the things that took place that, that day that really annoyed them. And the thankful group wrote the things that they were thankful for that had happened that day. And it was very interesting. There were some very obvious differences in the results of the two groups. As they studied, they monitored them and they found that those people that were part of the gratitude or thankful group had much more energy, slept better, smiled more. But there were also some things that took place that were not planned, but happened. The people that would write the annoyance journal complained much more. And they were never satisfied. While the people that had written the thankful journals seemed happy, joyful, thankful, not even when they were writing it down for their journal. Not when they were just fulfilling the responsibility of the journal, but throughout the day, they were demonstrating an attitude of thankfulness. When we have gratitude, it reduces our grumbling and our complaining. And finally, we recognize that gratitude rejoices in God's blessings. You know, we're called to be thankful. We're called to rejoice in all that God has done for us. Our gratitude points to His character, His love in our lives. I've heard it said, and it is true, anxiety and gratitude cannot coexist. When I am grateful, I'm focused on all that God has done, and I recognize His faithfulness in my life, and I will not be anxious or worry because I'm reminded of the one in whom I can trust. What are we known for? What are you known for? What am I known for? A complainer? It's never done right? Or a person of gratitude who's constantly demonstrating a thankful, a grateful attitude? We're called upon to be grateful people. I think sometimes we look at complaining and we think it's sort of like a, you know, a, a JV sin. It's not that serious. Yeah, God's not overly excited, but he understands, you know, because, yeah, we got lots to complain about. God looks at it much differently. And we're called to be grateful. So we need to get rid of the complaining and put on the gratefulness because we have so much to be thankful 
for. Let's pray. Father, thank you. As Almighty God, you love us. You love us more than we can imagine. We are so grateful for your faithfulness in our lives day by day and your promise to be with us even in the difficult times. Lord, help us to strive to be more grateful. Help us to be like the one who came back to thank Jesus and not like the nine who had the faith to obey but didn't take the time to thank. Lord, we have so much to be thankful for. Help us to be thankful in our attitude in Jesus' name. Amen.